Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added alcohol and cynicism. In this episode, we'll be discussing chapters 8 and 9 of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So grab a glass of your favourite alcoholic beverage and join us on this reminiscent journey. And welcome to the next episode of Goblet of Wine. Charlie, what are we drinking today? I don't know. Oh, okay. Here's the bottle. I brought it in so we could read it. So we're drinking flat Coke. Yep, flat Coke. And Lily Aquavit. Aquavit. Basically, my downstairs neighbour brought us this back from Poland, I believe, as a gift for looking after her cats. We have no idea what it is, but it's matured at sea in oak sherry casks, so you better believe you're special for drinking this. It tastes like university mixed with mint. Yeah, it's got a... I don't know if I can taste the oak, but it does taste minty, but I can't tell if that's the very gone-off Coca-Cola we've mixed it with. Yeah, but like, it just gives me flashbacks to university and weird alcohol. That people mix you. For more context on this episode... Great story. I just came back today from a work trip up to Manchester. Because um, she's fancy. Because I'm very fancy. And I left my glasses in the hotel. I'm a contact lens wearer, wear glasses in the evening with very poor eyesight. And my contact lenses were dry because it's midnight when we're recording this, so I had to take them out. So we are recording this episode with me absolutely almost blind. I cannot see what is going on. I can confirm she is blind. Like, I'm not exaggerating. I keep having to ask Charlie, like, what I'm looking at and what is going on. Yeah, she got me mixed up with Neil. It was very awkward. (laughs) Things happened. We're not speaking about it. That is an absolute (laughs) exaggeration. I just couldn't find anything in the kitchen. So that's some context on what's going on. How are you going to read your notes? I'll have to put them by my notes. So we are starting off with chapter eight, The Potions Master. Which we both realised not a lot happens. Nothing. Not, nothing happens. I've got one note. Yep. So we open with a description of the castle and the staircases. Um, and it describes hundreds of staircases. And this is my favourite section of the chapter by far because it basically describes all the secret passageways and the secret staircases and the secret tapestries and the staircases that misses step and the doors that only open on a Friday or if you're polite to them. And to me, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, and even now, the thing I'd be most excited about when I go to Hogwarts is exploring. Like, I was only really like just exploring and looking at things. I like going to a place and like looking around and finding things, and I feel like that would be definitely the best bit about Hogwarts for me. Yeah, so this pertains to the one note that I've had on this chapter. Oh, it does it? Good. Charlie keeps typing up the fact that there's one note. By the way, if there's repetitive kind of vibrations going over the noise, my upstairs neighbour seems to be throwing a tap dance party all by himself that we cannot wait for him to stop. I want to join. Anyway, so yeah, so yeah, as you were saying, like, there's, you know, secret passageways, Mm -hmm. many staircases, they change, blah, blah, blah. My one note for this entire chapter is a question, and it's three words, and it's, City mapper for Hogwarts <laughs> would be so useful. So good, right? But also would kind of ruin it because I feel like the joy is working all out. But I feel like part of that is the teachers have to give you some sort of like get out of jail free card for the first few weeks because McGonagall keeps like telling them off for being late. I'm like, this is a huge castle with hundreds yeah. of staircases. It is not their fault at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
But also, like, city map of Hogwarts would be sick. It would be awesome. Like, which path is quicker on a Friday because which doors it's, are open? Exactly. It's because so the good. staircases change and there is a logic to when they change. Yeah. And it's like the tube. There's a logic to when the tube just decides to do different things. There is. So, like... Nobody understands the logic, but apparently it's there. Apparently. I Yeah, apparently. So, then... It's basically a chapter of J.K. Rowling describing life at Hogwarts, which, is, you know, it's a nice chapter for context, but it's just no plot. So then it basically describes all the lessons, and it says that they have astronomy at midnight, which is a lovely idea, but do they then have class at nine o'clock the next day? And it's just completely contradictory to their curfew. I know, I know. So they have this class at midnight, so presumably they're not allowed out of their common room before that, but yeah. then they have to then walk to their lesson at midnight. So then if their lesson's an hour, it doesn't finish till one o'clock in the morning. And then it does their timetable. Is that, is that then structured around them having a line the next morning or do they make them get up for a nine o'clock lesson? I don't know. And also, could you, like, you know, the Great Hall is bewitched to look like the night sky. <laughs> could you not make the Great Hall or like another room bewitched to look like the previous night sky or, and then just do astronomy? Or it's Scotland, which is higher up in the Northern Hemisphere. By October, it's dark, like pitch black by eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. You would easily yeah. do the lesson at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And you maybe understand the struggle in summer, but for most of the year, they're fine. Yeah. I feel like... This is not the most interesting thing we've debated. But it's practical. The thing is, the older you get, the more stuff you want to... You get annoyed about the small things. So, then it mentions Professor Flitwick's... Flitwick? Flitwick's lesson. And it says he needs a pile of books to see over his own desk. Aww. Um, can he not make a smaller desk? Or can somebody not make him a smaller desk? You know, there's magic involved and also carpenters, I'm assuming. <sighs> or like, there's more efficient and permanent ways than a pile of books. Exactly, exactly. Like, this professor clearly has a form of dwarfism or something like that. He's, like, betrayed as, like, three foot tall or whatever, three or four foot tall. Make him his own desk and chair where he doesn't need to stand on piles of books. But I'm not surprised that the Harry Potter world is incredibly ableist. No, I know. But they have, like, creatures... Like, able-bodied creatures yeah. are that size. But they're complete shitheads to them. I know. It's, it's like awful. I know. It's so awful. And the fact they have this teacher in this school and nobody even, or he doesn't make himself a smaller desk. He's just like, this is fine. This is fine. I'll live with this. I'll just send him some books. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he likes it. Maybe that's how he wants it. But I was just like, just get a smaller desk. Don't stand on these books. Yeah. Also, he's brilliant because he sees Harry's name, like, falls. Like, he's raised out Harry's names and falls off the pile of books in excitement. I'm like, have you not seen him every morning at breakfast up until this point? And you're still yeah. like, oh, Harry. But, like, to be fair, like, maybe the pile of books, maybe Harry thinks it so that he can reach. Maybe he's just like you and just piles of books are just in his general area of That could times. be true. Like, he's like, oh, I've run out of shelves. I'll just start piling up books. Yeah. So then they say that they get a letter from Hagrid um, in the post, which is Harry's first letter. Um, and it says Hagrid gets... Basically, Hagrid says the kids get summer, but constant Fridays. So they finish, uh, it sounds like, midday on a Friday. Nice. I don't know. This isn't mentioned in any further books. Like, it's just mentioned in this one thing. But I assume it carries on. It's just nice, isn't it? It's just yeah. nice. Nice to be them. Nice to be them. Get Fridays off, go to the lake, have a little chill. Yeah. Don't know. Just made a note about it. I don't know why. So then Harry goes to potions and just immediately sasses Snape and gets sassed by Snape. Aww. That's all the notes I wrote about it, really. Like, he just 
Chapter eight was yeah, nothing. It was nothing. He sasses Snape. Oh, and he gets really aggy about losing two house points. Yeah. And I love those posts about like Harry's progression through the books. Book one loses two house points, like loses his shit. It's like, oh my god, this is the worst thing that ever happened. Book six loses two hundred house points. Well, what you gonna do? But like that is a reality. I remember like year seven when you started high school. Yeah. We used to freak out if we got five house points. It was like the biggest thing. And then by the end, it was just like the teachers did not give you house points. No, no they gave did, you anything. Yeah, like it just was not a thing. No. And then my last note says they go to Hagrid's for tea. Oh, okay. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. On to chapter nine. Nothing happens in that chapter. That was such a nothingy chapter. Like, no plot. It's all just... And I love world building. I really do. And I really love descriptions of Hogwarts. But that entire chapter could have been cut out. Yeah. Or for, for the sake of a podcast, not great. Not great. Not, not great. great. All right to read. Pretty like, oh, this is nice. Oh, but nice. nothing happens. Yeah. No. Right. Chapter nine is called Ooh. The Midnight Jewel. Oh, I wonder what they get up to in this chapter that we definitely didn't just read. We did. We did. We just read it. Literally just now. We're meant to pre-read everything, but... Uh, we didn't. We we've, we live very busy and important lives. We live on the edge. I was going for a different tack than you were. We're constantly spontaneous. <laughs> we don't at all hang out on a Friday night reading in silence Harry Potter together. Oh, God. So... Uh, chapter starts off with Harry talking about how much he hates Malfoy. Classic, classic 11 year old, just concerned yeah. about the boy he hates. And they're all nervous about their flying lesson. So the Remembral arrives for Neville in the Morning Post and it's just the most pointless, plot convenient device I've ever read about. Like I'd forgotten yeah. about it. It serves no purpose Never in the book apart again. from this scene. Yeah. Which means it's just serves the purpose of being a ball. Yes. They could have just mentioned someone got a tennis ball. I don't know. No, no, no. Not a tennis ball. The size of a marble. Is it a marble? Yes. That's tiny. I've never picked up on it before because in film Film, it's it's like a... A marble. So that makes it more impressive. Harry caught a marble. I mean, yeah, the biggest marble is probably like... We're gesturing at this point. Like, that big? That's the biggest marble I can imagine. I haven't seen a marble bigger than that. Bloody hell, Harry. (laughs) <laughs> oh god I'm wrong I didn't even do that as an impression I told you she's wrong oh no yeah it's marble size it's just so I just wish it would come up again later in the books like she brought it back around and made it like so something at the end could. yeah she really easily could have like something about like the Nicholas Flamel thing this would have been perfect if Harry's yeah. like playing with Neville's Memorial and he's like I know I know Nicholas Flamel from I know I do and then it yes. red. oh that would have been and then it was like it kept doing that or something so he was like I know I know it I'm just not remembering it like she could have used it again there at least made it used again in the first book it's the fact it's never mentioned after this scene I'm like you could have just used any ball like it's it's so pointless yes yeah and it doesn't even help you remember things. I know. It's just like, oh, you've forgotten something. And it's like, well, I know that. Yeah. I always think I've forgotten something. The only way it would be useful is like when you're leaving for holiday and you feel like you've forgotten something, you could hold it. And it's like, now nah, you haven't forgotten something. And then you know you're being irrational. Are you talking about me leaving my glasses in Manchester? No, that wasn't a personalised target. Oh. But like in general, you know, whenever you go to leave for holiday, you're like, oh, I've forgotten something. Yeah. So Harry then becomes like some sort of natural born flyer without any training or anything. And I wanted to talk about like nature versus nurture with this because he has had no training, yeah. nothing, nothing yeah. at all. And his Quidditch abilities 
McGonagall literally says she's probably like exaggerated and really happy, but she says it's better than Charlie Weasley. Yeah. Like, how does anyone? I understand being naturally gifted at something. I really do. I've yeah. seen kids who are naturally gifted. But at like things. taking a dive that Charlie couldn't do, and Charlie had been playing for like uh, how many years? Like seven. years? At least seven years. Yeah. And then his entire life before that. Yeah. yeah. That's that's unreasonable. I don't know if it's unreal. Like, how much natural abilities can someone be Unless Charlie with? was really shit. No, Charlie... They said Charlie could have played exactly. penguins. But, like, maybe if, like, Charlie was really shit, you'd be like, yeah, he could be better than him on his yeah. first time on a broom. But, like, come on. Yeah. Like, like on. it's the kind of exaggerated childishness of it. And I, I, I totally buy Harry being a natural flyer at Quidditch. Like, I really do. But people not that are, good. People are naturally good at some things. People are naturally good at driving. People are naturally good at running. Things like that. But I'm not naturally good at anything. It's okay. Um, but being that good, oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like the whole nature versus nature thing. I yeah. don't know. He wasn't taught. I just... No. Again, it's but... just that exaggerated childlike quality of the first book. Yeah. Um, Neville falls off his broom, which is a lot more... Like, uh, it's a lot less dramatic than I remembered, basically because the films ruined it for me yeah. with a mad fly around Hogwarts, whereas he literally just rises 20 feet and falls off. Um, Malfoy talks some shit to Harry, goads him into chasing him. And then the, the line says that, you know, Harry goes up to chase Malfoy and it says, screams and gasps from the girls below. What I noted down is it's very, like, school typical. Like, this is what... This is typically what pre-teens and teenagers do. You know, girls scream and gasp. But I was just like, come on, Joe, You can write better than that. It's you very, like, write... I feel like they're a bunch of, like, anime girls in like, school girl oh! uniforms. Like, oh, Harry, no! No, Harry, stop! Yeah. I know, just... Like, it's like the girls are screaming and Ron's, like, whooping. It's just, like, write better than that. Just, you don't need to write the girls screamed. You could just write just people like, screamed. Yeah. Like, I'm... Oh, oh it just, gender. I know, I know. And gender, it gets, it, you mythical, mythical being. It gets better throughout the books, but I was just like, you just didn't need to write girls. And so yeah. then Harry gets back to the ground, he's caught the remember all, um, and I noticed that Parvati is listed as sticking up for both Neville and Harry in this chapter. Oh. Like, she says, shut up Malfoy about Neville, and then she just she tries to defend Harry to Professor McGonagall. And I just thought it's a lot more credit that's given to her in later books. Like, yeah. we don't know her very well, but in this, we know in this chapter she defends both Neville and Harry. Mm. But then in later books, she's just kind of described yeah. as, like, a typical kind of girly high school girl like yeah. laughing and giggling and all of this and, and she's basically mute until the like from now until like the yule ball right yeah like it, a bit like this she chips in on the gryffindor's lines oh. but i just found it it stuck out to me that she was the one that stuck out to neville and ha like stuck up for neville and harry and then well no she's not mute she then goes into giggly oh my god i love astrology in book three. Oh yeah yeah no yeah it's I just, I quite liked her in this chapter. She says two lines, but I quite like her. So McGonagall comes and collects Harry because she has seen his dive and she goes and gets and brings him to Wood. Wood. I want to talk about Oliver Wood. I want to talk for hours he about Oliver Wood. He is such a drama queen. He is my perfect man. <laughs> he is so hot in the film. Oh my God, thank God you said that. Yeah, but like the thing is, you when you... Like, you watched it when you were so young, you didn't realise, and then you hit a certain age. I literally remember hitting the age when me and my sister re-watched it and just had this epiphany of, damn. 
no, 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 no. I never hit that epiphany because Oliver Wood was the first love of my life. Oh. And seven-year-old me, when this film came out on DVD, used to go and kiss the TV screen. <gasps> wow. No. I'm so straight. I'm so straight. <laughs> That's very straight. Wow. Okay, so I never Got kissed far. the TV screen, but there is one of the characters that I really ridiculously fancied. You know, like formative sexual feelings kind of years, those characters that you have. Me and Oliver Wood. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not this film, it's the second film. Can you guess which character Oh, it's Tom character? Riddle. Yeah. He's gorgeous in that oh, film. Formative, formative years. Yeah. And also, on that point, oh, we'll get to this later on, but that's by far the best Tom Riddle in all the films. Oh, yeah, I like, wish they brought him back for the sixth one. He would have been too old, but I don't even care. Yeah, I don't care. Like, but yeah, no, but I get the Oliver Wood, but I don't know. I think I wasn't at that point when I saw the film, so I just completely was just like, that's Oliver Wood. I think, and then a couple of years later, I yeah. rewatched and I was like, yeah, that's Oliver Wood. See, I don't remember mm. when I realised how much I loved him. It definitely wasn't when I went to see it in the cinema. It was, I then had it on, I'm not even DVD, video, and I used to watch it all the time. And at some yeah. point, I realised I was deeply in love with this person. Um, I know that the actor's name is Sean Biggerstaff. But just the name Biggerstaff. Biggerstaff. Uh, like, oh. Biggerstaff. Wow. The accent, the face. But also, I was rereading the books and I re-listened to the third book recently for random reasons. And I'm going to really enjoy it when we do that in the podcast. And I realised I love the written character in the books. I really yeah. do. Like, I know he's he a bit a drama, drama queen. Oh, he's such I a drama queen. queen. I'm also a drama queen. But it's just a bit different from all the other characters. He's a drama queen and he wants Gryffindor to win more than anything. And he'll, like, he doesn't care if Harry dies catching the snitch. That's brilliant. He is like, I don't care if you die, you're going to win this Quidditch yeah. match for me. And I love that. So, McGonagall brings Harry to Wood. So, what I can assume from this, as an older reader reading this, is that the Quidditch tryouts must have already happened and they went really badly. Presumably. They didn't find a seeker. Because why else would McGonagall bring Harry to Wood before the tryouts had happened? Yeah, I guess. Because the tryouts normally happen like the second or third week of term, right? Yeah. Something like that. So, I don't know. It's weird because I feel like the trials are just not mentioned until they are. They're not mentioned until Harry has to run them, basically. Which is what book? Fifth? Sixth? Yeah. Too many books. Yeah, they're like, not mentioned until Ron has to go into them, which yeah. is the fifth. But Oliver Wood never ran tryouts to redo his team. Exactly. He was just like, I'm happy with this team, I'm doing it. Yeah. 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 Mm. What? Well, it's just because like, when Harry does it, he like he's like, oh no, like we had to redo it even for the people that are going to get in. Yeah, I know. And Oliver Wood refused to do that. I suppose that's his leadership style. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with him. He's too sexy. He's too sexy. But yeah, I presume he did the tryouts and he went for Professor McGonagall. Because I presume him and Professor McGonagall have this kind of like pally, like they've gone past teacher and student thing, they're just like Quidditch pals. And he was yeah. like, oh, Professor McGonagall, everyone was crap. Like everyone, all the seekers were crap. I don't know what I'm going to do. And she was like, no, I'm so sad. I love Quidditch too. And then like a day later, she's like, I found this tiny boy. He's and amazing I, at Quidditch. And like, obviously Oliver's not going to argue with his teacher, but I just love the fact that he just takes her like, oh, you've bought this literal child like, this, like, this is an 11 year old is this is your seeker and he's like brilliant, brilliant. I mean, that's how much he trusts McGonagall. Yeah, he's he, like, you love Quidditch so much this kid must be he's good he's not even like really he's like awesome great I'll have cool. him yeah you're this one in a century I'll have him I yeah. just oh god I love it Um. so then I've just written so McGonagall then says like 
don't let me down because you broke some rules. And then she smiles and said, your father would have been proud. Oh, don't. McGonagall! McGonagall! This is the moment when I realise that she's the most perfect woman ever. Yeah. I just love her. Mm -hmm. Um, She's amazing. She's just so good. Um, So then Malfoy, who is very annoyed that Harry hasn't got expelled, suggests that they have a wizard's Jewel. And Harry asks what a wizard's jewel is, and Ron explains, and then Harry says, What if I can't do any spells? And Ron says, Well, just chuck your wand away and punch him in the face. <laughs> That's so something I would say. Just, yeah, just punch him if it doesn't work, it's fine. Just yeah. sit and just chuck mm-hmm. your wand. Um, and then they're getting ready to go to the jewel, and it says they're pulling on their dressing gowns to go to the jewel, and I'm like, No, Boys. no, no, it doesn't say dressing gowns. It does. Or in, oh, maybe in your book. Ooh. Okay, so we have slightly different versions. I think I'm reading the American one because I have it on Kindle. Um, in mine, it says something far worse than dressing gowns. Oh dear God, what does it say? This is interesting, they both explicitly wrote what these boys are pulling on. In mine, it says bathrobes. Ooh, you're reading the American version. Ooh, 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 ooh. And I was like, what the fuck? But even dressing gowns is bad because I'm like, are they wearing clothes underneath? Well, as you know, they're wearing their pajamas and then they're pulling on their dressing gowns. But why, if you're like, oh, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go fight my bully. Let's put my bathrobe on. Let me put my dressing gown and pajamas on. Why wouldn't you sit in your clothes to go fight your enemy? Understand you You don't want to let people know that you're going to stay up. So pull your dressing gown over your robes and then just take it off before you yeah. leave. I can't. Why are you being weird about this? I just can't imagine being like, yeah, I'm going to go fight someone. Got to get my dressing gown on. Are they wearing slippers or shoes? What are their pyjamas? Do they have cartoons on? No, Ron has ones that are too short for him because he's grown out of them already. Aww. I know. So they leave... Um, am I running home? They leave the common room and they run into Neville who's asleep on the floor. And I've written the duty of care in Hogwarts is absolutely shocking. He forgot the password, something any of us could do. I can imagine me doing it. So he's sleeping on the floor. You think they would have like checks? Like prefects, aren't prefects doing patrols of the corridors? And even like the head of houses should walk around at like curfew. The head boy and head girl, just check everyone's inside. Yeah. This is like, he's sleeping in a corridor. It's horrible. Yeah. Like the bloody baron's been tormenting him. I know. Somebody really needs to be looking after these children. Like, I keep on reiterating that these aren't adults, like, being stupid. These are small children who kind of need help. Yeah. And do you think, like, at this point, Fred and George were, like, looking at the Marauder's map, looking at his little dot just outside and just laughing? I'd really like to think that Fred and George would be the kind of person, like, that's funny, but we should go let that kid in. After about five minutes. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, the bloody Baron's going, we'll just wait till the bloody Baron goes past, let him have a bit of that, and then we'll yeah. go let him in. So yeah. I, I'm hoping Fred and George didn't see that, because it's just sad. But they also said nothing about Ron sleeping <laughs> with, with Peter, Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> but like, yeah, we're always looking at the map, I'm like, oh. But never at the brother. Yeah, a bit dodgy. Um, so they get to the trophy room, and Filch comes in, because it's a trick set by Malfoy, one of the most obvious tricks in the book so they all run and they end up in the third floor corridor um on the right hand side which is out of bounds to anyone which does not but before that they run into peeves they do they do and peeves says a line which was like my childhood (laughs) 
So he's like, shan't say nothing if you don't, don't say, say please. please. And that was like my thing. If my parents, me and my sister, when our parents would ask us to do anything when we were children, we were like, shan't say, do nothing if you don't say please. And they're like, please, and you'll say nothing. Yeah, it was the most obnoxious thing. The, they get through the door because it's locked with hello, Hamora. Hello, Hamora is a spell Hermione learned from like standard book of spells yeah. grade one. So was Dumbledore just like, mm, should I do a really powerful lock to lock this door with a dog that could eat your face off? No, 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 no. I'm just going to do the basic locking spell, which most people over the age of 12 can work out in this place. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll go well. I think that'll go well. There's like a thing, and I don't know much about it, but I know that there's a thing in like kind of like lore and mythology that's always like the trickster god. And it's all like a demon of chaos. Yeah. Um, and it's basically kind of like a character that exists and is common times sometimes a god. And it's basically just a character that exists to make chaos and to trick people. Yeah. Um, and literally just to kind of be the mythological... Mythological. 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 Like equivalent of a troll and just to cause chaos yeah. and use its magical power. Yeah. Just to wreak silly havoc. Yeah. And I feel like... You know, J.K. Rowling, she draws so much from mythology and things like that. And I just feel like Dumbledore is, like, that equivalent. In the early books. Yeah. yeah. Just for Bance, he lets chaos, absolute chaos happen. Because he could put a really powerful... And we know more powerful locking spells exist because we've seen them in other books. Many of them. We've seen loads of them. But Dumbledore is just like, nah, 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 dog that could eat people. Nah, I don't need to lock that up properly. And I just feel like he's like, well, you know, they'll see it and they'll leave. They're not going to end up dead and it will treat them a lesson. Yeah. And it's also funny and he's probably put a webcam in that room. And he's just like, "Ah, So he can watch. ah, Or he's probably like, you know, when Harry's going to the Mirror of Erised and Dumbledore's actually there watching him. The whole time, yeah. He's he's probably in that room watching his like hundreds of students come into that room see it scream and leave yeah. and he's just getting off on it yeah because there'll be loads of students I, like there Fred is George, not there is not a, a shadow of doubt in the way Fred and George had third floor corridor out of bounds they went right let's go look at that yeah Hello, Hamora, they know that. that Hello, Hamora, they would definitely know that spell yeah they know Fluffy's there also they've got the Marauders map so they would go third floor corridor let's see what's there there's something called Fluffy let's go look at it are animals on the map yeah because Mrs Norris is Ah. So many pupils. I am of the belief that so many pupils will have happened across Fluffy. Just been like, noping yeah. out of that. They would have been like, ha, that's no Dumbledore was being serious. Nope. Yeah. And only Hermione would have noticed the, the trap door. door. Yeah. And that was my next note. Like, everyone, like, she does tend to panic a bit in situations, but she's the only one to notice that trap door. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like adding to this whole mystery thing. Like, up until this point, it's been like, adventure, magic, blah, 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 blah. And now we're suddenly like, it's so classic in this book, but it's like, something beneath the trapdoor. I don't know why I had to sing that, but I love that you did. I know. It's just, it's just yeah. so like classic storytelling. Um, so they all come back. We know there's something beneath the, th- the trapdoor. And Hermione says the brilliant line, which is slightly different from the film, that we could have been killed or worse expelled. I love that line. I love that line. But based on it, as a child... I thought expelled was some sort of horrible, magical, like, cursed thing. Because, like, I didn't know what the word expelled meant. And I thought, oh, well, if it's worse than being killed... I didn't get the irony of the Mm. sentence because I was, like, five. I thought it was, like, some horrible death, like, like injury thing. And then I realised it was being kicked out of school. And I was like, wow. 
Wow. See, I did know what it meant, so that just kind of instilled on me, like, if I ever got chucked out of school, that was literally worse, worse than, than dying. Yep. Yeah, yeah but if someone was expelled, Children you were don't like, get irony. Yeah. If, like, if you were expelled, you was like, wow, well, that is worse than death. Don't, don't yep. want that. Yeah. Yep. Don't come home, just, yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the end of my notes. That's the end of my notes as well. So not a lot happened in those two chapters. A lot We've of said world that about building, the last one, yeah. and a lot of like character and relationship building. And I feel well, I feel like in chapter nine there is the beginning of the mystery. Yeah, and like what I've realised about the books as I've got older is they're set out rather than being like the classic mythology magic story that actually set out like a murder mystery or like mm. your classic mystery but with magic yeah like as i've got older and started to read cry novels and mystery novels like agatha christie and things like that i'm like oh that's how harry potter set out it's not like because if you think of the typical fantasy novel it's set out in the form of the hero's journey so if you think of the lord of the rings as the classic yeah. hero's journey if you think of i don't know any uh narnia uh, yeah. The Chronicles of Narnia, it's the hero's journey. Um, like, I'm talking about the hero's journey as a trope here. And book seven definitely has elements of the hero's journey. But most of the books are set out in the typical um, kind of, like, murder mystery style collecting clues. Yeah. Which is a very... I think that's one of the reasons that made the book so popular. Because although everything we're seeing has been done before, you know, the three-headed dog is a Cerberus. You've got phoenixes. You've got unicorns. You've got you know, wizards, you've got Dumbledore, which is basically the classic archetypal old Gandalf style wizard. You've got all these archetypal things. But she wrote the story in like a murder mystery way. And I honestly now think as an adult, that's what gave the book's longevity that yes. other magical stories didn't have. Yeah. Something I love about this chapter as well is that it really builds Neville up that you think that he's mm. going to be part of the trio or what would have been the quadruple or something. You think that he's yeah. going to be this seriously important key character, really like part of the gang. It builds him up like that. He's yeah. going to be part of the adventure. And then that just goes for the next few books. Yeah. And he's this comic relief character. And then it comes back around and it comes back around not only in the kind of uh, premonition, the what's the word um, um prophecy prophecy yeah not only in that in that you know it could have been him or it could have been harry but also that he you know he becomes part of the adventure he becomes part of the gang yeah so i love that it's like oh look at devil like he's this character he's part of the gang he's involved he's in the mystery blah blah no he's not oh yes he is yeah, yeah. because what i realized i actually realized a similar point halfway through but i didn't write it down is in this chapter the midnight jewel he is totally superfluous going along with the gang he serves absolutely no purpose yeah all the plot device bits come from the trio like he is not necessary to be there and um the i think the entire point it seems to serve is in the first book it's a call at the end of the book it's a call back to when he then stops them yeah. leaving and he gets the house points and then obviously it's then by the seventh book it's a callback that he like was always kind of with them and he always yeah. was kind of one of them but what I found interesting is in J.K. Rowling's original um, draft of this chapter... Nad. Well, no, I haven't read the original draft, but I've seen the original sketch she did of this chapter. Mm. And it wasn't Neville. Do you want to guess which character was with the trio? Who? Guess. I don't know. Dean Thomas. Really? Yeah. 
It was the trio and Dean Thomas. Neville was a character, and Neville was yeah. going to be the same character he was, but Dean Thomas was along for this ride. Wow, but Neville makes a lot more sense. sense. I know. And, you know, it's building him up for the character that he becomes later on. Yeah. In the interchangeability of him and Harry, and it's building him up to have more of a purpose than he serves. Yeah. That's very interesting. I know, I just wonder what purpose Dean was going to serve in this chapter, but it, to me it makes a lot more sense. And especially I love... The, the first book does have quite a cyclical nature to it. In, you know, he's like begging Harry to take him along in this bit, even though he's terrified just because he's scared and he doesn't want to be on his own. And by the end of the book, he's standing up and telling Harry not to leave because he's not going to let him lose any more house points. And yeah. It's just... I love Neville. Yes. I love I Neville. So that's yeah. everything we have on this chapter. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, you haven't drunk much of your uh, weird alcohol, Charlie. It's just giving me massive university flashbacks. <laughs> and you're not loving that? Mm, no. It's not the flashbacks I want. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. Make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcasting app to listen to new episodes every fortnight. If you're feeling extra lovely, you can also leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We also have a Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod where you can come chat to us, get updates, and see behind the scenes content. And finally, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash goblet of wine. We love running this podcast, but it can be expensive at times, so Patreon really helps us out. There's loads of great rewards like bonus content behind the scenes and being the people to pick our alcohol each episode. So thank you so much again for listening and we'll see you in our next episode. Bye. Bye.